Hello and welcome to the Investing on the Go podcast brought to you by Fund Calibre. I'm Ryan Lightfoot-Brown and we're joined today by Alistair Mundy, the Elite Rated Manager of the Investec UK Special Situations and the Investec Cautious Managed Fund. Alistair, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. You're described as being a contrarian investor. What does that mean exactly? Well, um, I think the word contrarian has is, is now become almost commonplace. It's uh, because the opposite is so bad. The opposite sounds something like consensual. Um, But we're trying to do something different. We're trying, our particular definition of contrarian is we're looking for out-of-favour assets, particularly out-of-favour shares, those ones that people have lost heart with, um, have have lost confidence in, or just simply forgotten about. Um, And value-style investing has been out of favour for a long time now, uh, as people have preferred growth stocks instead. Do you see this as changing anytime soon? Yes, value investing has had a tough couple of years. Um, I think a lot of that has really been driven by low bond yields. As bond yields have moved lower and economic growth has been disappointingly low, that's been a perfect environment for growth stocks. Investors have always loved the stories behind growth companies and they've really pushed those share prices very high. Um, Against that, value stocks have done very poorly. And it rather reminds me of 1999. And there was a similar amount of of teeth grinding at that point. And this claim was value investing was dead. Um, Value investing has has spent a certain amount of time in the doghouse over many decades, has always come bouncing back. And we see no reason to believe it's going to be any different this time. And when you're looking for companies in which to invest, uh, you look for those that have fallen by 50% in value in the last two years. It's quite scary stuff, isn't it? Um, Yes, down 50% does sound scary, um, which is probably the reason why we do a great deal of analysis once we find a stock that's fallen 50%. It would be incredibly naive just to buy it. Um, And I always say we look in other people's dustbins for our buy ideas, and in other people's dustbins you find a lot of rubbish. So yes, there are a number of scary stocks in there. We do our analysis and we keep them in the bin. However, sometimes we find stuff that shouldn't have been thrown away. It's been thrown away by accident. Um, it, it's it's got great value and it's going to come back into fashion one day. We're, we're trying to find those stocks that have fallen 50% um, but don't deserve to be down 50%. And and they're not quite as scary as the rest of them. You can still find great companies with good balance sheet, um, sensible management, where they're, perhaps the, the last couple of years has been a bit tough for the company, but we still think there's a decent future. And can you give us a couple of examples of these sort of companies? Yes, certainly. A, a couple of stocks which listeners will know really well and which are in different parts of their recovery process are Tesco and Marks and Spencers. Um, we bought Tesco a few years back um, when um, it was really struggling. Um, its, its management hadn't performed well. Its balance sheet had a, had a lot of debt and the company was losing market share. There were even accounting shenanigans as well, which were dragging the share price down. Um, however, new management came in. Um, they, they sold some international assets. They've reduced the price of, of food in the stores. They've made Tesco competitive again, and that's winning back market share. And the shares have, have recovered as a result of that. Um, a new stock for us, um, which we bought more recently, although we, we have had it for some time, is, is Marks & Spencers, where once again, um, the, the, the customer has, has perhaps moved on, um, particularly in, in food. Competition in there has, has, has been um, intense, but also in clothing. Marks & Spencers, a lot of lost of 
lost a lot of market share over the years and its online offering hasn't been particularly impressive. However, we think under new management, they're really getting to grips with all these areas. And the great thing about the Marks and Spencer's customer is they're very loyal. They, they, they stick with the, 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 the shops and the business for a long time and they actually want to shop there. They, they, they appreciate the quality and if the, um, if the offering is good enough, they, they will return to Marks and Spencer's. So I think although the obituaries have been written for Marks and Spencer's, we think there is a good future in it. Okay. And has Brexit given you more or less opportunity? Um, I think Brexit's given us more opportunities. Um, it's uh, because um, the investors, both UK and globally, have almost decided to um, really um, give a wide berth to UK domestic stocks, those, those companies earning a lot of their profits from the UK, just because the future is so uncertain. No one in their right mind would really forecast the outcome of Brexit with any certainty. However, um, having so many investors avoiding these shares or selling down means these shares are, are now really low and discount a lot of bad news. And we wonder um, if Brexit can really be quite as bad um, as uh, these, some of these share prices are, are now suggesting. And among your top equity holdings is a company that makes John Deere tractors. What's the story behind that? Yes, John Deere has, has got a great market share in agricultural machinery. Um, it's been around a long time. Um, it, it makes great returns um, for its, its um, shareholders. And um, it's, a, it's a good industry. The agricultural industry um, is cyclical, but, it, but it's a, a steady grow over the long term. And, and we think uh, John Deere can, because of its brand name and the quality of its products, can continue um, to, to generate good profits. And um, therefore, we, we think the shares are fairly valued, and it, particularly given we think growth prospects are good over the next cycle. And looking at your bond holdings, you seem to be favouring the UK, the US and Norwegian government bonds, some of which ex expire as soon as November this year. Why are you favouring them? Why over such a short time frame? And what happens in November? Are you going to replace them with any more? Yes, um, our, our bond exposure is very limited. We're, we're very concerned that bond yields are currently very low almost everywhere around the world. And we think they're offering a great deal of risk and not much reward. Uh, therefore, um, the, the bonds we've got are very, very short dated. So they're not sensitive to interest rate movements, i.e. if bond yields go up, then bond prices go down and we don't want sensitivity to that. Um, so yes, as these short dated bonds mature, we'll, we'll uh, receive our proceeds and reinvest them in similarly short dated bonds. Um, US and UK, Norway, you're absolutely right. The most interesting there is Norway, where um, we think as, as an economy and um, the government finances are very strong there. They discovered oil the best part of 50 years ago and have used that oil money very sensibly rather than partying with it. And therefore, the government's finances are strong and could be used if the economy weakens, um, as opposed to many of the other economies around the world, where um, if the economies weaken, um, we, we think governments will have to go into greater debt or even perhaps print more money and um, to try and spend their way out of trouble. And you also hold about 9% in physical gold and silver. Why is that? Yes, um, we, we remain concerned about inflation and we also remain concerned about central bank behaviour. And um, we think central bankers um, are busy patting themselves on the back for saving the world um, during the global financial crisis are almost desperate for the next 
a global financial crisis so they can introduce us to their next box of tricks. And uh, we worry that that next box of tricks may prove rather inflationary, that in their eagerness to avoid a recession, they could actually create an inflationary boom. And we buy gold and silver really as an insurance policy against central bankers um, making some uh, suboptimal decisions. And uh, you know, we, we think, we worry perhaps that we're getting close to that point of the cycle where central bankers are going to start using more imaginative policies. And you also have a big short on the S&P 500, the US stock exchange. Can you explain how this works and why you have it? Yes. Um, so we, we've, we've got a lot of equities on the portfolio, um, but we also believe that we're living in uncertain times, as I've said previously. Um, equity valuations are... are, are reasonably um, okay certain areas around the world but look particularly expensive in the US so having a short on the US market uh, that's a position where we benefit if US equities go down that provides us with a safety net um, if if in general markets go down um, so yes we've got we've got um, equities on the portfolio with the safety net attached and we think that's a nice risk reward balance for us well Alistair thank you very much that's been really interesting And thank you very much for listening. I've been Ryan Lightfoot-Brown. If you'd like to listen to more of our Investing on the Go podcast, please subscribe to Fund Calibre. Please remember, we've been discussing individual stocks to bring investing to life for you. It is not a recommendation to buy or sell. The fund may or may not be holding these stocks at time of your listening. (laughs) 